Is it time? Yeah, it's time. Welcome to the True Craft Podcast. I am your host, Chris Farman, and I'm joined by co-host, Katie Noel. This time around, we are all about one thing, killer conversations with close friends about the state of craft. Oh, it's going to be good. I hope to open the box on fresh topics while honoring the path that got us here. Let's do it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the True Craft Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest. If you listened to season two on the initial launch, you would have heard his voice a ton. And his voice is a bit recognizable given given the accent, but... Uh, joining us today is co-founder of Rubens Brews out of Seattle, Washington, Adam Robbins. Welcome, buddy. Woo! Oh, great, great to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 relaunching the pod. We relaunched it, and we're doing it a little bit different this time. If you remember, for all the listeners, last time Adam was on ten episodes. You joined me for ten episodes last time. Yeah. Yeah. I made some good friends in those as well, actually, you know, that I speak to regularly still. Oh, you did? You still, you stay connected to some of them? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. That, that's a, that's a, an unintended amazing consequence that I did not, um, not set out for, but that's, that's great that that worked out that way. But yeah, I mean, we, we did a lot of recording that season because it was you and I, and then we would have to bring in a guest and then it was, it was all over the place. Um, so the first question I ask every host, every guest that comes on to the the podcast is, "How was the summer in Seattle?" Oh, well, well, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, summer in Seattle is the reason you live in Seattle, right? Yeah, uh, because you got to put up with the drizzle for some reason. But um, but then the reason I laughed is because I I kind of. Uh, we as a family went out of Seattle for the best part of the summer so so it's like yeah we yeah so why do we live here I don't know I don't know um no we, <laughs> we we went on a bit of a European trip we had some family things and we sort of yeah did stuff like that but um you know yeah so you know right now Very we've fun. got a little bit of summer right now going on but not not for much longer I don't think it always is the question living in the Pacific Northwest I live in Oregon and it's always like you're you hit December, January, February, and you're like, why do I live here again? Like, I don't really know why I live here. And then May, June, July rolls around. You're like, yeah, that's why I live here. <laughs> but I forget like, every single winter. Yeah. Even coming from London when I first moved here that first winter, it was like, oh wow, this is this is rough. So like in London, the the cloud would break and then you'll get some sun like once a week, maybe. But here, when it comes in, it comes in. And the only way you can get any sun is if you can get above it from a mountain, like go skiing and try and get above the clouds. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It was, I remember vividly the first year I was here, it was six weeks where you didn't see the sun in the city. Six weeks. Yeah. And it's, oh, wow. I'm pale enough to start with. And this isn't helping. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's gloomy. Seasonal yeah. depression is real. Yeah. Almost yeah. everybody has it. 
Yeah, wow. That's that's uh, interesting. Well, I'm excited to have you back on the show today because you're a enormous wealth of, of information. So many people in the industry know about you and know your success in Seattle. And today I want to do I want to talk about current events. So yeah. we're in the middle of smack dab in the middle of September. Yeah. Uh, and this craft's going through a weird spot right now. Craft is going through a very weird weird position we're experiencing some customers that are shutting shop we hear about breweries that are closing all all over the place um, we hear about uh, draft not recovering since covid and, and being flat uh, we hear about package up so where do you want to start with current events like what what's on your mind regarding current events oh blimey um all the above right is is, yeah. is you know yeah there is yeah it, it there's a lot of, there's a lot to chew through i mean we could talk about um like on premise maybe first you know draft sure because um, it's yeah because it's kind of interesting because just like you said um when i last looked earlier this year the total amount of available accounts in the on premise world in our in our biggest geography is still 20% lower than pre covid right so there are fewer restaurants and bars open, significantly fewer than before before COVID. Um, and then there's a as a, so, you know, so that's kind of one thing. But mm -hmm. um, on top of that, um, we haven't increased draft prices for some time, right? So because of on-premise struggling, I think the industry hasn't really increased their cake prices, but we've had obviously, as you know, as everybody knows, very significant price, uh, you know, cost price inflation coming through. Um, so, um, and, and that's probably another thing that we should talk through at, at some point, but what, what we're seeing or what we're hearing is that there is a price increase in draft coming in, in our major markets. Um, just this week, I had two conversations about it with a couple of distributors, right? So, they kind of held off as long as they can, but it's coming. But on 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 top of that, like the pint prices have definitely taken a hit, an increase recently. You know, in the on premise because the, the those re, those bars and those restaurants they've had all their costs increase as well, right? So yeah. their margins have been increasing. So so um or not margins have been increased. Their margins have been suppressed, so their prices have had to go up. But um, it's kind of interesting because then you get into this kind of substitution risk. Right, that if the pint of a pint of beer costs say nine dollars, will somebody just have a cocktail for twelve? Right, at some point, do you risk price inflation kind of just cannibalizing out your your sales to some extent as an industry, as a broad industry? Right, so that's kind of one thing that that I kind of um, worry about, just you know, strategically um, as an industry, but um. The other thing is with with draft for for a brewery, it's kind of hard. Like our margins are really low on kegs. Some kegs right. we lose money on, you know. Like when you take into account all of our costs, um, because we haven't pushed through some of these price increases that we're having to pay out our suppliers, and and um, you know Porter's Five Forces. You, you, I'm sure you know Porter's Five Forces. Well, yep. we did that recently on on different parts of the business and and. The draft business as a brewery in that industry is just 
structurally very difficult, right? There's really no uh, cost for a customer to substitute you out, right? There's loads of different uh, different opportunities of a different breweries, different beers, you know, to, to potentially put in. Um, so it's easy to lose placements. There's low margins for us. And it's really hard to sell. It's a very handheld kind of sales piece. So draft in total is very hard for everybody in the uh, yeah. in the system, you know. For the listeners, describe uh, Porter's Five Forces for all the listeners. Yeah. So, um, you know, before, so for us now, business strategy is like something that we think has existed forever, but it didn't. It, it, it was really part of management up until uh, Michael Porter in 1979 came out with like kind of a landmark book book that talked about his uh, kind of five force theory, which is um, what that is, is what is the profitability of an industry and where does that profitability kind of sit? So, and it looks at the forces within an industry. So like competitive rivalry, um, substitution risk in that industry, uh, what, how many suppliers you have, like the supplier concentration, um, so it's got these five five different kind of elements, and it just kind of just gives you an idea of, okay, is that a hard industry to play in, or a, a, a maybe an easier one? And it also gives you a bit of a focus on where you can, uh, where there's opportunity for you to, to focus on and get a benefit from. Like for example, mm -hmm. like in there aren't many malt suppliers, aren't many hop suppliers, right? But like I can't do anything about that. That's just kind of structurally what it is, right? <laughs> Whether we're in on off premise or own premise, that's the same, you know. So, um, but maybe maybe your customer um, segment, maybe there might be segments that it'd be easier to get a stronger relationship with customers in, um, depending if you're in on off or own premise, for example, you know. So you know, it's just it's something that that like kind of I wanted to do just to kind of just sit back and just think, okay factually does this make sense you know right okay please yeah, yeah. Me, but can somebody tell me what on-premise is is that tap room oh so yeah so on-premise means that beer is consumed on the premises so that will be restaurants or bars own premise will be what the brewery owns so tap rooms and then off-premise would be where those uh that that beer is consumed off the premises which will be like cans or package to go which will be like grocery stores or c stores or stuff like that yep okay thank you yep all right so you just threw a lot out about the the state of of, of draft and um there, there's a lot of forces pulling at it there's a lot of forces at, at it pulling pulling down what's the solution for crap breweries uh the the margins are already low in those skews. Well, six tools they're not necessarily low, but but it's hard to deal in thousands of six tools a month. Um, so if the margins are low, the P, the points of distribution have been reduced across the board. Um, what what's what's a crap brewery to do? I wish I knew. <laughs> no, no, um. I think when you get to these kind of questions, right, you have to not think about yourself, but think about the customer. Right? Mm -hmm. So in this case, like how can you make that bar successful or that wholesale distributor partner successful? And whatever the answer is to that question is the answer to what you should do. Right. So um, 
you know, it, it might be a little easier um, to talk about off-premise, so like grocery stores in that case, because it's about velocity then, right? And it's probably about velocity in the in the um, in the on-premise, right? So, what beers are they going to be able to have that will turn quicker and give them a better margin and get more from that tap, right? So, what what is well, another thing I kind of had in my head about um, we are maybe if sales aren't increasing that much as an industry, I think industry growth last year was like zero or 1% or something. Mm -hmm. We try and innovate our way out of that. But at some point that innovation becomes kind of crazy and not really what a customer wants. Right. right. Um, so, so really it's about how can you give that bar a velocity of sale, you know? Right. So here's a question for you is as we go through our compass reports and, and our compass reports are, are a, a small batch standard proprietary report that goes out each month showing, giving recommendations and benchmarks and so on and so forth. We're, we're pulling the gloves off. We're pulling the baby gloves off and we're straight up telling customers, you know, based on your wholesale sales, like it's not looking good. It, it it's it's causing a massive hole in the boat. We recommend you focus on one style, one skew, or you just get out of wholesale completely. Do you think we're being aggressive there with that with that advice? Um. Okay, so so two parts to that is like, is it profitable? Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think you need to understand your your profitability in the different channels that you you operate in because you might be surprised at how little you are making in in certain channels right so that's the that's the first thing and then secondly like yeah how, how do you how do you increase sales in that kind of environment and one i was going to use the example of the off-premise but let's just can we just kind of pivot a little bit and i'll explain why sure. um, if you're a retailer you have say 200 set positions. So those are positions where beers will sit in the, in, in the, um, on the shelf. And your job as a retailer is to maximize the return from that set, right? So right, right now, beer, craft beer is seeing um, the number of set positions that we have. So the percentage of that set kind of eroding, right? Mm -hmm. Because RTDs are going in, these other things are going in that, um, to some extent, non-alc is going in, right? So we're having fewer and fewer opportunities. So, but what we need to think about is, okay, what what are the beers that have that higher velocity? And generally, it'll probably be the ones that are known better. And generally, that will be core, core like your core beers, right? Your flagships. Right. So I can totally see how concentrating on flagships would work in the off-prem because you're giving... Our job is to give our customers so and consumers, right? So that the customer being the store and the consumer being the person um, actually drinking the beer, what they want. And for, for them, we've got to make sure that our velocities are up. Um, and that's really what we need to be doing in, in on-premise as well. It's maybe not quite so obviously visible. I, I find it a little easier to visualize in, in a store because you can see sure. the you kind of more easily visualize the cans going off and off of the shelf, whereas on on tap they've got maybe 10 taps how do you get the best return for for one tap for the person it might be and it might be as a whole you just focus on one beer 
or it might be that you have a series that you work with certain accounts that they can rotate through you get like it's about speaking to the customer like what do they really want at, at a macro level because you can't give everybody individually what they ideally would want you know right because scale economies of scale too yeah it's interesting you've used the word velocity with on-premise a number of times and whenever i hear the word velocity my brain immediately goes to the off-premise shelf yeah. the cooler the yeah. you know the the beer shelf at the c store or the grocery store so that is very interesting because yeah at the end of the day you if you lead with that in mind how is this going to benefit the retailer yeah how is it how are they going to how is this brand going to pull someone into their place, get them to order another beer, another piece of food, another item? Um, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's a good way to look at it. With all of these kind of things, we focus on what we want or need, but we're irrelevant in this, right? Mm -hmm. Really, what does your customer want or the, or the end consumer? I mean, that's that's really my number one kind of focus always right sure sure all right let's pivot to the pricing topic i think you you hinted on it a little bit earlier about uh inflation and uh the the because i was reading your your article your your the tasty tray taster tray oh yeah yeah um talking about how bump williams uh reported has craft priced itself out of the market and how craft is at an all-time time high for 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 pricing on the shelf and, and in pints and um from where I sit, craft has no choice but to price it where it is. I think that is having some effect on the velocity, both on-premise and off-premise. But yeah, it, it we're just at a weird inflection point. We're at a really weird cross point right now where we've experienced this massive increase in raw materials and packaging. We have experienced uh, a a, compl a a slowdown of, of points of distribution, and then we're we're expected to still keep the same margins and sell the same revenue. It's a it's a tough place to be in. Um, totally. Um. First of all, if I could just, maybe I can just pitch the taster tray. So yeah, do it. So it's just a weekly newsletter. Just go to thetastertray.com. And uh, Kendall Jones, who runs the Washington Beer Blog, um, he writes the, the newsletter every week, which is a summary for people in craft beer of um, what do you need to know, right? This this week, it's basically anybody from the person who sits at the bar, who speaks to the beer tenders, who loves loves craft beer, to those who work on the brew house, right? So it's everybody in that area. So it's just really very quick, few minutes of how to, of what we need to keep up to date on. Um, yeah. So the tastertrade.com. Going we'll, back, to we'll place that. We'll place it in the in the notes. Also, oh, we'll place it in the show notes. Oh, cheers! I'm not very good at pitching things like that, so it's kind of embarrassing. But <laughs> thanks. No, um, very good. You killed it. Going, going back to <laughs> going back to your the, the question about price um I, I spend a lot of time thinking about a, a strategic kind of positioning right now in particular so like when when i went on vacation i i read i don't know five books or something on these things and i got we got a little bit of clarity but 
businesses only have two choices, two, two real strategic choices at the heart of things, right? The first one is, are we going to be uh, like cost minimizing players, right? Are we going to try and be a, a, a cost leader, a price leader in an industry? So think for beer, think big macro breweries, right? We, we, we as craft breweries will never be able to keep up with that, right? So the, we, we all by default fall into the other choice, differentiation, which means we have to be different and be um, focused on providing a benefit to customers that isn't just about lowest price, which means that we can never be lowest price, right? Um, so we need to find the win-win of how we can operate with our higher cost structures and our higher prices, right? Which um, is just, it's a reality we have to face. You know, so, so yeah, prices are higher because our input prices have never been higher. You know, right now, if you go back to pre-COVID, we're still paying up to 80% more per grain than we did before COVID, yep. you know? Like, and, and all of our cost structure Crazy. is- yeah, fundamentally changed. Yeah, I I just um I saw I saw this article and then I also um well I was I was gonna I was gonna mention Julie Rhodes' article, but it doesn't really have to do with the pricing of it. And it it's just a necessity, right? It's just a a cyclical necessity to be to be priced where it is, and I don't see a way for do you see a way for prices to come down? Oh, um, so so well, with grain, it should come down eventually when the uh, political, geopolitical issues, you know, um, mm -hmm. kind of if if they ever soften off, you know, I I hope I sincerely hope they did yesterday, but they, obviously they didn't yesterday, but um, you know, um. So, so that should come down. What we have seen is freight. So freight during the COVID kind of cost bubble, if you want to want to call it that, um, freight did go up a ton, and that has come back down. Um, so that has that was a temporary increase that has come back down, but a lot mm -hmm. of them are more step change increases. I think cans, to some extent, they the cost for cans went up twenty percent, and they come down a little bit. So some things have come down a little bit. But things like, um, but other things will be, like hops haven't come down, you know, things that you're on longer mm -hmm. term effects on. Um, and uh, yeah, the other thing to talk about pricing that is interesting is is the wholesale supply chain. I think it's vaguely interesting, but um, uh, the way that our industry is set up, right? So that we're the producer, the three tiers, right? We're the producer, we sell to a wholesaler who sells to a retailer who sells to a customer. There's markups all the way along. So that let's just say a $10 six pack on a store, the brewery gets $5 at that. Mm -hmm. So whatever the brewery charges is kind of doubled for what the customer pays. So if you have this cost inflation, so say that six pack costs 20% more to make. And so the brewery isn't going to make any more money, but now needs to charge $6. They that that price to a customer has now gone up from ten dollars, with the with the margin staying the same to twelve dollars. Right. So, so what happens is you get this kind of extrapolation of 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 cost increases based on the input costs, 
which is kind of what we're seeing and what Bart is kind of yeah. end, you know, if that makes sense. Um, that dollar becomes a $2 increase. <laughs> Whereas, um, and that's just the world that we live in, the, the, the wholesale kind of world. We were just talking to somebody yesterday about this, how a very popular skew right now is the four, the four pack 16 ounce cans. Yeah. And if you think about it, the consumer finds more value in those 16 ounce cans than they do in a six pack of 12 ounce cans. And the pricing is reflected there. If I'm paying $15.99 for a four pack or even $19.99 for a four pack, I'm still paying four to $5 for a, a, a craft beer at my house. Um, that That's completely normal to me. I mean, that, that, that yeah. seems, that doesn't feel like the 1999 it, it feels a little weird looking at it on the on the on the sticker but it but it when you when you wade through the weirdness it's it's 5 bucks a beer like that's that's completely uh that's completely it seems right to me there are there, there there are price points that have more emotional attachment than anything right yep like Remember, in this market, it was breaking $10 for a six-pack. There was a long time where $10 wasn't broken for a six-pack because it's like, oh, that's an extra digit now, you know? And then the, the, the $20 price point is, like, scary. We don't go over that. Very, very, very rarely would we ever go over that, you know? I, I don't even – I can't even yeah. tell you that because we're internally scared of that that point, you know, price point. Um, well, well, I think it's at some point it breaks, right? At some point it, it certainly breaks. I, I, my local beer sh shop around the corner for me, there are $30 four packs and that's, um, that there's the, the emotion, the emotion set in at 20. So you can imagine where the emotion is at, at, at 30. Yeah. Um, but some people don't mind paying 30 bucks for a unique beer that uh, can only be found at that 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 market um i don't know i mean that that comes down to that giving the customer something that they want that is that is unique and differentiated right mm -hmm. and if you can do that you can probably justify what you know those higher prices um, yeah the the issue the interesting thing is that before craft had this this wave or maybe the prior wave right um let's just go back to 1979 beer was a commodity and it hurts me to say that but really there was a lot of breweries selling on that cost lowest cost basis um with not much differentiation between them uh, in flavor or anything apart from marketing right um and what we need to do as craft to succeed is to be able to prove that it's not when when we're more than that you yeah know? um and that's and that, that's kind of the important thing and and that's what makes it a little hard when lagers are, are coming i mean I, I the difference between craft lager and a macro lager is massive but does the customer know that you know do consumers know that or can they yeah. can we we somehow teach them that because you know one of the things that's happened post-covid is that there aren't really festivals anymore you know uh, the beer festival kind of calendar is 
reduced a lot and I don't see that changing anymore. So how do we get that that trial from consumers? How do we show them the new thing? How do we uh, get them excited about something that they've never had before? Because if you've got to commit to a six pack or a $30 four pack, that's going to reduce our inflow of, of, of customers into craft quite significantly. Right. No, there's no trial basis, right? So it's just, just I don't want one of those things. And also a, a trial package used to be a 22. You know, is that now a 19.2? Because 22s don't really exist anymore. Right. Are you going to GABF later on this month? No, no, I'm not. Um, we got some clashes with other things, so I'm not going this year. Are you? Are you going? I'm not. No, I've never actually attended GABF. I, I need to make that on my on my my bucket list to do. I'm always invited by a number of people to come to come join, but I I'm not. I'm not. I haven't been to it yet. Um, Me too. Speaking. Oh yeah, you want to go? I'm always invited by so many people to go. <laughs> We were speaking to Zach at Carbon Four, and they just wrapped up the the Great Taste of the Midwest, which is about a seven thousand person beer fest. and And he was he was saying how he believes the I'm butchering the name of it, the Great Midwest Great um, Taste of the Midwest is what it's called. Um, he believes that's one of the OG with the with with GABF. That's one of the OG festivals that continues to pull. Where every other festival, you're pulling like you're giving tickets away to get people to to come now so um i remember the summers and winters where that was all beer festivals were where it was at that was the thing to do interesting um so so like the question there for me is why why do people not go want to go to them anymore and i don't know the answer to that that question because like I can I can see that pe- why people would have wanted to go to them, but what's changed? Has it potentially like, lost its momentum with COVID? I feel like a lot of things people just did because that's what they did has fallen off a little bit, and yeah, you know, people just don't do the same things anymore, and there's not necessarily a a whole reason behind it other than people stopped doing everything a while, so then they thought more intentionally about what they started doing again. I don't know. So, so what are they doing instead? Because, because, um, yeah, and and how can beer be part of that new occasion? I mean, it's well, I think what Kate, well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What Katie said, and I, I agree with her. I think they're doing nothing. I think I think people are more comfortable staying at home, and 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 doing nothing. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a substitute for the beer festival, but we got really comfortable with sitting at home with our kids and entertaining our kids during COVID. And, and twiddling our just, thumbs. And even just doing that now is expensive because of inflation. So even just like getting groceries each week and, you know, like whatever you're doing that's outside of like those fun extra things, honestly, it's just more expensive to be alive than it used to be. Yeah. So that could be part of it too. Yeah. So lower, lower discretionary income, part of it, um, a, a, a change in people's potential like preference to stay at home right so if you think about those two things how can beer be part of the occasion still that's a good question i mean i'm thinking like i wonder if there's kind of like a um a little a little ship to home pack that you could do in certain states right that 
has a lot of different samples in, like single cans, right? So then you can bring the beer taste to the home potentially, right? If those trends are both things that we've seen and both very strong trends, then we need to make beer part of that occasion um, and not just sit back and say, oh, you know, like, why aren't you here anymore? You know, like, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to do that. And we haven't had to do that as an industry for years, you know. Yeah. All right. Um, before we wrap things up, do you want to talk about 2024 or do you just, you're trying to get through the end of the year? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, yeah, we're talking about 24. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Years are going, they're going too, too quick. <laughs> it really, yeah. The time, time is flying for sure. Yeah. So, so like, like, do you want to talk about like trend, like trends or what the, the future looks like there? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We're just working on our forecast for next year, actually. So like um I've had to kind of think about that a little a little bit. Um whenever anybody talks about what's happening next year, people always talk about current trends just existing. Every forecast just says like if it's going this way, it's going this is the next year will be just down here, or if it's going up this, you know. But the key thing is around inflection points, right? So and those are really, really hard to kind of forecast. You know? Right. What is Otherwise, that? What's that? An inflection point. Can somebody help me out here? Yeah, yeah. So like, when does that trend stop and why? Or okay. when, does, when does it change? So like, um, a, a trend is going to run in a certain direction. And every forecast normally just assumes that trend just carries on forever, right? But in practice, we know that's not the case. Things go like this. And really, you want to the ideal the ideal bit of insight is when this the, when the, it the yeah when it changes when the trend changes the yeah. inflection point inflection point on the on the trend yeah yeah thank you <laughs> no 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 um so like um like, like if we just look at the current trends right we've got fewer PODs in in on premise um we've got um maybe an increase in the number of tap rooms opening by, by breweries, right? Um, we've got a reduction in points of distribution for the off-premise, right? Um, we've got, um, you know, honestly, there's a, that recession talk. You know, we talked about it being costing more to live, right? We've, we, we're seeing that. Um, there's a few COVID relief um, programs that are ending as well, either this month, or the benefits from which, from a macro perspective, uh, dried up this summer. So, like I think the uh, I'm, I did an I did economics as a degree, but like I'm rusty on it now. So like this, I might not be perfect here, but um, the savings rate bumped up during COVID because people couldn't go out, and then there were certain programs that gave people um, money to help them through, and and that money has been like kind of waning down as the savings rate's been falling. And that supposedly, it, last time I read about it, it was around the middle of the summer that we we're going to get back to that long-term neutrality. So customers have less money. And on top of that, inflation is, is kind of a real thing. You know, high interest rates, <laughs> high interest rates are, are, you know, there as well. So like from a macro perspective, it's kind of, it is tough, right? It's tough, but that doesn't mean you still, um, 
you don't just wallow in in i don't know in that mire right you just like how, how do you how do you give your customers a, a, a win right so like um i think we talked about point uh, the set positions and at some point the velocity of these new things be it na or be it um rtds is going to get neutralized so they won't be getting more and more space right when will that happen i don't know when that will happen but that will happen at some point right yeah um and so what we have to think about is like how do we keep our velocity up on the shelf um and i think that is really i think you're going to see more core beers being stronger in that in that environment because you need that velocity to support to support the um pull through um you know what what other what other things are, are we going to see well I, I think you'll continue to see f- fewer festivals so how does a customer get that trial and i don't think we as an industry apart from putting in more tap rooms we as an industry aren't really kind of haven't solved that problem you know right with, with no festivals and 22s not existing does that mean we all have to do 19 twos I, I, yeah i don't i don't know and um the other thing, the other thing about we're we're seeing in this state, you know, ourselves including, we're building a new a new tap room right now. But there's lots of new tap rooms opening up. Um, like, what does where does that kind of if we roll forward ten years? What will that look like? You know, what what is what is what is that? Um, how many tap rooms can you is reasonable? I don't I don't know. And how does that impact the other on premise accounts? So at some point, there will be no benefit to opening new tap rooms because you're just cannibalizing from yourselves, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and then, and would well, you have any views on next year that we should? Think I about? mean, every, really, everything that you talked about, I I agree with. I haven't put much thought into 2024. Um, we're going to be doing some year end planning content coming out. Um. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally watching the, the, the operations that do not have solid business and do not understand their numbers just, just fall apart. Uh, fall apart. It, it's, there's not even a, you don't even get a second chance right now. There's no, there's no second chance. The second chance happened with, with, with COVID and, and all the government money, but it's, it's just, it's happening right now. So um, I think there's going to, I think, I think sales will remain remain flat points of distributions will will shrink um i think there's gonna be lots of closures lots of lots of and and the not to go i don't want to go dark i want to keep this 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 ship like this podcast optimistic um there are winners in every market there are breweries that are doing extremely well multiple in every market so it's just the ones that um aren't doing well right it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be time to to bow out so that's really mine I, i'll put more thought into it i we're definitely going to have you on i don't know maybe once a month maybe once a quarter at least once a quarter to kind of do a current event update but um i hope to have more of a 24 outlook by then well to add to that chris what's still confusing me is how many people we have reaching out to us who are just opening a brewery I just want to yeah. ask, are you sure? <laughs> like, do you know what you're getting yourself into? And have you 
like projected margins but, and it's like do you know what you're doing i want to be like are you but, sure katie you're on those calls i mean these are amateur players oh i know it scares me for them yeah these 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 are these are they're i i think they're on a fact finding mission i don't even think they're going to get open i think i think they're just like coming to us to try to get a, a go no go response and unfortunately we're not giving that to them because we don't have the information sure. but just the questions that i'm asking in these discovery calls the, the these people these are this is clown town there's no way they're a, and if they are going to open they're just not going to be successful what would it take for a brewery to open right now and be successful can you even answer? Uh, tons of capital. Money. <laughs> Lots of money. Uh, yeah, you need to be capitalized, right? You need to be run as a business. It's not a hobby, right? I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what Chris is talking about there. Yeah, and Derek put out an article on that, I think, too. Who did? Sorry? Oh, Derek. Derek Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you need to uh, be unique, do something you some white space or something yes yes that a customer wants um um and that and, and i think you do those three things in any industry you'll be successful right um it's not just this industry any industry and um you know when you're growing at 18 percent a year that can hide a lot of operational weaknesses <laughs> as an industry when you're growing at 18 percent a year um you know, now we need to be run efficiently. And, um, you know, we've talked about some books, Chris, right. That like open up, open up, um, your, your eyes to just to how to run the business as a whole, like EOS is right. You know, that's, a, that's yeah. something for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Nice little cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. We can do a Michael Mimzik and Adam reunion on EOS. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. Let, let's wrap this one up for today. Adam, um, tell us where we can learn more about Rubens and where people can reach you if they want to, if, if you want them, if you want them to reach you. Yeah. yeah. So we're um, uh, Rubens Brews, R-E-U-B-E-N-S, Rubens Brews, named after our son. We had our son before and spelt his name in a hard way before we came up with the brewery idea. So that's first where it came from. Um, yeah, and no, I'm just Adam at Rubens Brews. If anybody wants to reach out, feel free. Awesome. And Rubens Brews on all the social, right? At Rubens Brews, yeah. Yep. And you will find these things in the show notes, as Go always. <laughs> With the right spelling. <laughs> yes, I'll be very careful. <laughs> cool. All right, Adam. I, I, as always, I appreciate it. Uh, you, you killed this one, and we will we'll do it again very soon. Sounds, sounds great. Thanks, Chris. Can't wait. I right, talk Great to you soon. To Thank you. Officially meet you. Thanks, Katie. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the True Craft Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you are just dying to know what Chris and I look like, you can head over to YouTube for a video recording of the show. Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Small Batch Standard, the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax compliance, and growth consulting. 
Visit sbstandard.com today to learn more and request a discovery call.